lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks to all of you for joining us here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. And for the first time in a long time. We are going to be opening up the phone lines later today for the Monday Town Hall at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. I have a sensitive topic I want to discuss today. I'll tell you what that is here uh, in a moment. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And then if you want to utilize the free speech alternatives to those platforms, uh, look for us, uh, Steve Dace, on Gab, on MeWe, and follow at Steve Dace on Parler, where that's one place we get as much of it out there as we can, but that's that's one place guaranteed you're going to get all of the COVID stuff we do. I know I'm getting emails from some of you saying Parler's not taking on new accounts. I don't know if that's true, but I don't run Parler and I can't do anything about that. I don't run Twitter and Facebook and I can't do anything about their censorship at all. Uh, if I put anything that challenges COVID on Facebook, you're not going to see it anyway. Now, Twitter is, is far more permissive right now uh then facebook and i think it's just largely because it's just run by stoners who you know in between hits are like dude we gotta get rid of that i mean it's just really arbitrary um but facebook putting it on there it does no good you won't get it anyway they'll just censor it so i'm doing the best i can uh i guess just follow us everywhere if you would like but the reason I chose Parler to be the one place where we would make sure all the COVID stuff would be is because we have the second biggest following on Parler compared to Facebook and Twitter. But we'll do the best that we can. That's the era, unfortunately, in which we live. Uh, what else? Um, oh, on the show today, oh, quick housekeeping item. If you guys want to win some show swag, some autographed books, some official show gear, shirts, things of that nature. We're doing an NCAA tournament bracket contest, and there's just one winner. All right. Now, if it's me, it'll be the guy who finished in second place. I got to warn you, the last three NCAA tournaments, I finished in the top 1% in the country at ESPN.com. Doesn't mean I'll do it four years in a row. It just means, though, you're going to have to be pretty good at this. But we'll put together a prize package for you. Uh, if that's you, that is worthy of one bracket to rule them all, and you're only allowed to enter one bracket. That's it. The bracket of integrity. That's it. One bracket. Okay? Now, if there's some late-breaking COVID news, things of that nature, you need to alter your bracket, we're going to allow that. But you don't get multiple brackets. You only get one and then you don't get to put in multiple brackets in another group and if that bracket's doing well sub it out nope 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 it's the bracket you put in before all the games tip off man up bracket of integrity contest uh look for steve dace show at espn.com that's the name of the group it's also pinned uh to the top of our facebook and twitter accounts as well if you would like to enter and we'll come up with a really nice prize package for the winner are you guys going to enter that by the way i haven't decided yet i i haven't done brackets in a long long time I know. We've talked about this, and you never look at me with more disappointment, but you asked. I kind of feel you should stop uh, dunking on Aaron for not seeing Rudy. 
That's that is that's a dude code. No, no. Equivocable. Is that even the right is that the right word? It is now. Not okay. filling out a bracket. Yeah, it, no. Yeah, kind of, uh, no. Uh, no. I kind of think no. it is. No. Uh, I kind of think not no. doing a bracket no. is equivalent with never having seen Rudy. I kind of think that it is. I agree with that. I figured you would. That's why I'm not asking. But yeah, I, I You've think... You've been overruled, Todd. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, the referee here because my name's on the show. It is equivalent. Uh, so you can you may no longer dunk on Aaron for not seeing Rudy until you fix that uh, obvious dude code slight. Right? You should be all about fixing obvious errors. I mean... The Catholic Church came out this morning and reminded everybody gay marriage is still not a thing, right? Okay. Uh, So, it was nice. Which also means at some point people doubted whether it was actually going to be a thing given who's running the show over there right now. But you you need to fix uh, that matter. You need to put in a bracket for the record. No, I'm holding on until they fix instant replay. Okay. Then you can't dunk on Aaron anymore for not... Aaron? I think you dunk on Aaron more for that. And and I I will be, from this point forward, the only one uh, that will be permitted to do that. Okay. Uh, So don't forget, Steve Day shows the name of the group if you want to enter it over at ESPN.com and it's pinned on our socials as well. All right, coming up on the show today, Matthew Peterson from the Claremont Institute will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, a town hall on a sensitive topic. Where, where's your patriotism right now? And, and something happened with me over the weekend and that a few years ago, I would have been incensed at this. And now I just, I find it stupid and offensive, but emotionally I'm just, I'm not that bothered by it. I'm kind of resigned to, yeah, I live in a foreign country and all these institutions are against me. So throw another shrimp on the barbie. And and I'm wondering, you know, in sports talk radio, we used to say when a fan base, when things weren't going well with the team, when, t- when the fans went from angry to indifferent, that was a bad sign. When they just, they weren't even getting angry anymore. And I'm wondering if I'm crossing into that realm. Maybe I've personally crossed a Rubicon. And I want to find out if I'm the only one. We'll get into that on the next hour of the show. But before we begin all of that, of course, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Mad Libs. Play it with me now. The Mexican comedian is better at journalism than CNN. Yes, we recently saw what happens when Dr. Anthony Fauci is confronted with curious, inquisitive, and well-informed questions thanks to a Mexican comedian named Eugenio Derbez. Here's a few excerpts of that interview. So, um, first question, which of the COVID-19 vaccines have been officially approved by the FDA? Three of them. One from Moderna, which is the mRNA vaccine. One from Pfizer, which is another mRNA vaccine. And the other one is from J&J, Johnson & Johnson. I, I, I asked if it was approved by the FDA uh, but I, I think that it's a different thing that to the, an emergency use authorization than a, an approval. Yes, that, that's a very good question. So an emergency use authorization is based on the criteria if the benefit 
clearly outweighs the risk and that you get a good degree of efficacy and safety. The, the full licensure is when you follow it for a longer period. So that pattern is repeated numerous times throughout the entire interview. Simple question, gibberish, non-answer. In the absence of official approval by the FDA, Derbez asks Fauci some pointed questions about liability. Governments around the world are taking the liability, governments. But I'm right. talking about the manufacturer. If there's a problem, can I sue the people that made the vaccine, not the government, the, the people that made the vaccine because... I've heard they are protected from liability. If, and if they're not willing to stand for their product, or if I can't sue them, does that mean they're worried it's going to hurt people? You know, they are very sensitive about hurting people. If they remove the protections on vaccine manufacturers, I think that the, the ability to be sued, and, and what I'm talking about suing is not about money at all. The ability to be sued is what makes companies make a better product if you take that away. If you take that away, uh, what incentive do they have to fix a problem with their product? You, you know what I mean? If the yeah. manufacturers could be sued for every death and injury that is caused by the vaccination, uh, probably they wouldn't put it in the market right now. Or they, I think they should be responsible for the product they've made. You know, they really actually are. I think one of the things you got to separate is when you get injury in a trial or injury in a product after it has been fully approved. You have the opportunity. I mean, I, I you know, I, I understand where you're coming from and why you bring it up. But you have the opportunity to sue anybody anytime for anything you want to do. But if I sue the, the manufacturer who pays for that, for that, yeah, for that is the government, not the company. Is right? Right, right. About that pesky conspiracy theory called herd immunity. Herd immunity means you get an umbrella of protection because so many people are protected that when the virus comes in, it spreads only when there are a lot of vulnerable people. But I've heard that even if healthy people have a very low risk of dying from COVID, they should still get the vaccine so they don't spread the virus to people who might be too old or too sick to get the vaccine. Is that true? That's absolutely true. Uh, but uh, so now I have a question about that. The, the news has reported that the, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are 95 percent effective. Does this mean that if I get the vaccine, I won't get infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus? That means that there's a 95% chance that you will not get symptomatic infection. And then there's this. The vaccine lowers my symptoms, but it may not prevent me from being infected with SARS-CoV-2, which means right. there's the you, possibility that I can still spread the virus even after I receive right. the vaccine. Correct? That's the reason why we, right. That's the reason why we ask you to wear a mask after you've been vaccinated main aim of the vaccines if they neither stop you from getting the virus or transmitting it right the main purpose of the vaccine is to prevent you from getting sick going to the hospital and maybe dying I i'm confused with something i thought her immunity works because by being vaccinated i block the virus from spreading to other people right. but this vaccine this vaccine may not do that so how does herd immunity work if I can still spread the virus even after getting the vaccine? 
Now, but the fact is the vaccine protects many, 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 many people from getting infected. Some people might get infected. Fauci was also asked about the long-term effects of the new mRNA technology. Moderna and Pfizer are both mRNA vaccines. Correct. Um, has this kind of mRNA vaccine technology ever been injected into humans before? Well, this is the first time, and the good news is that the results are really, really good. Okay. But in essence, this is an experimental technology. Well, it's a new technology. And are you completely positive that this new technology is safe? I mean, how, how, can, we, how can we be sure there won't be long-term effects when these vaccines were seemingly developed so quickly and yeah. have only well, been tested for months and not years? The speed with which it's been done is a reflection of the extraordinary advances in science. In the history of vaccinology, you don't see effects that occur years later. Finally, Fauci was asked. There are um, many Latinos in the community that are practicing Catholics. Last week, Catholic bishops warned the Catholic community that they should not use the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Can you explain why? Well, the, some of the some, not all, because there are Catholic bishops who are saying the opposite of that. And the reason is in the preparation of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, they used the cell line that was taken from fetal tissue from years and years ago to be able to produce the vaccine. So some of the bishops felt that because that was used, that we should not use the vaccine. But is, many, is many Catholic. Sorry, is that true that there, there is a residual DNA from an aborted baby in the Johnson & No, there's no residual DNA that gets injected into you at all. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Keeps. You've got millions of reasons to be stressed out today. Uh, so why add male pattern baldness and receding hairlines to the list? Uh, the good news is Keeps can help you with those two things. They offer the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatments, but you get the generic versions. So you're only going to pay half of the uh, cost of the the big name brands. Uh, also, how about the convenience? Um, it's all done online. Answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you, and it's shipped directly to your door. So big savings with the generic versions, the convenience factor, and then there's even more savings to get you started half off your first order right now to give it a shot. Half off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. Half off your first order today at keeps.com slash grow. Now, that montage was a little longer than they typically are, and I'm the one that made the decision to do it that way um, because I thought it was important. Tomorrow is going to be the one-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the curve. The absolute dumbest managerial decision in all of a human history, with the possible exception if you want to cut them a break, to 30 days to slow the spread. If it's not 15 days to flatten the curve, you want to cut them a break and say, hey, we didn't know what we were up against. Man, we've offered that mercy in the past on this show, right? Sure. Okay. But you, there is no such mercy for 30 days to slow the spread. So if tomorrow's not the one-year anniversary of the dumbest managerial decision in all of American history, um, 
we're two weeks away from it then. Throughout this ordeal, we have been denied something that we're owed. And that is skeptical questioning. If it, if it hasn't been for Rand Paul on two occasions under a Senate time limit, when has Anthony Fauci faced a real, with teeth, skeptical line of questioning? Now, what he has faced recently from the likes of CNN and MSNBC, it's more pushback than he has gotten for the better part of a year, but it's pretty modest. And, and as we've pointed out, there have been at least three of those occasions the last few weeks where he has fallen apart even under that level of modest pushback. What happened yesterday, and what was the gentleman's name, the comedian from, from Mexico, what was his name? Uh, Eugenio Dervis, I think. Uh, dude, hats off to you. I've never heard this gentleman's name before. But brother, you're a hero of Western civilization based off of what I just saw there. These are the kinds of questions all along that should have been asked, should have been demanded. Too many of your governors didn't ask these questions. Too few of your elected representatives in Washington, D.C. asked these questions. Frankly, President Trump didn't ask these questions. Or his vice president, Mike Pence, and his disastrous White House coronavirus task force. These kinds of questions, when we're talking about potentially, indefinitely, altering our way of life, should have been asked and demanded answers for all along. Soon we'll be announcing our next book. Our next book is an entire book of that interview. The kinds of questions and points and compilations of informations uh, of information and dots connect, dot connecting that should have been done under the guise of the First Amendment. That's why it's there this entire time and was not. You see him in these clips grow increasingly frustrated. You see him start to sweat. You see him literally wilt over the course of this interview. And, and here are the big takeaways. He's a malevolent BSer is number one. He's just a malevolent BSer. The way he described how these vaccines work is they essentially work as a prophylactic against serious symptomatic infection to stop you from hospitalization, ICU, death. So like hydroxychloroquine. Yes. And what's the other one whose name I can't ever remember? Is it a Vestrum or something like that is the name of it? It's another one that's been mentioned recently. But it, it, these are essentially, and again, this is, you know, President Trump sending out statements last week. I hope America remembers if it wasn't for me, it wouldn't have gotten that beautiful shot. Well, we actually already had medications that we're doing that we knew did the stuff that 
these vaccines claim to do. Now, we have lots of evidence in the world that these vaccines are working. We have lots of evidence in the world, however, that these vaccines also come with some real side effects. So it's a gamble. And each and every one of us has to make the decision whether or not we're in a high-risk enough group to gamble on it. If you're elderly, you may think that you're in enough. You're in that risk group. Go for it. But understand, you are the human test trial here. These are not approved vaccines. They were rushed to market, and if we're being brutally honest, they were rushed to market because a lot of Karens in suburb, suburban cul-de-sacs and uh, urban brownstones refuse to leave their homes and go to the mall and send their kids back to school or return to any form of normalcy without a magical vaccine. That's why this was done. Let's just be brutally honest about that. If there's not, if there was not, if there's never been a better time for brutal honesty, I don't know what is. Our friend Jordan Schachtel just pointed out we've got European nations all over the all over the continent banning AstraZeneca, which is you know from Oxford. That's their neck of the woods, man. Banning that vaccine from their countries. At the same time, big tech will ban you if you if you go too far in being skeptical of this. It's a time for brutal honesty. It's a time for skepticism. These are experimental vaccines. Fact. They're not FDA approved. Fact. There are thousands of cases filed right now with side effects and or death. Fact. There's also evidence that in high-risk populations, they have played a role in the massive plummeting and decline we have seen in hospitalizations and cases in America. Fact. It is not in either Moderna or Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson's public interest as publicly traded companies. It is not in their interest to go out and poison a bunch of people. Fact. Their stock price isn't helped by an ineffective product. Right? Right. Fact. However, big tech doesn't want to let you have full reign to be skeptical of a product produced in an extremely rushed timeline by publicly traded companies. Those are also facts, right? Yes. Why did Hank Aaron die? What was it, a week after he took one of these vaccines? Correct. Yeah. Arguably three to five most important athletes in American history. First of all, he, Barry Bonds does not hold the record. Hank Aaron holds the most cherished individual record in all of American team sport, right? All time home run. Yeah. He holds the record. He also, when you look at his statistical profile, he is the best baseball player since Babe Ruth. But he did it in an era of integration. Babe did not. Uh, he did it at a time of great civil right, civil rights unrest in America with class, dignity as well. When you look at everything he represents, I think he's one of the three to five most important athletes in American history. Don't you think we probably ought to know what the cause of his death was? But we don't. What happened with marvelous Marvin Hagler? Maybe the most underrated boxer of all time. I don't know. 
Don't we deserve to know? This, con this continues this fog of war. And what you see on social media where these vaccines are concerned is everybody has evidence to back up their narrative and tends to only put out the evidence that pushes their narrative. Except, folks, <laughs> this shouldn't be a political campaign. We're making decisions at the very least. COVID-19 is not the end of the world we were sold. It also is, at the very least, the worst pandemic on this continent since the Hong Kong flu 50 years ago. And there's some solid statistical evidence it's far worse than that, and therefore the worst pandemic we've had on this continent since the Spanish flu a century ago. Those are facts too, right? Sure. Sure. So, I mean, these are serious decisions we all have to make. If, if we can't have an honest and fair hearing about this, uh, that's literally a life and death choice to or not to take this. I, I don't know why anybody in a non-risk group is running out and taking it. I don't. I didn't say to never take it. I said, I don't know why anybody that's not in a high-risk group is running out to take it. Why would you run out to be a part of an experiment, a human trial when you're not in a high risk group, idolatry. That would be one. The other two, uh, the other thing too is, frankly, if, if even if you think the vaccines work as well as you claim, I kind of think you're being really selfish by jumping in line in front of people who are in much higher risk groups than you are. Well, like I said, idolatry. The idol is them. <laughs> well, that's true too. Yeah, but I mean, if if we're at a point now in our society. That we can't have an honest hearing about this. A really brutally honest one. Are they, do they work? Are they safe? How are they made? Who should get them first? If, 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 if the fog of war clouds even that, I mean, to me, I mean, turn out the lights, man. The party's over. If you're going to get a more honest hearing about this in Norway than you are in North America, then, you know, this goes to what I'm going to talk about next hour. Why do we have any of these flags on our front porches? What are we doing? What are we, what are we, what the hell is a barbecue on the 4th of July compared to any weekend? I mean, the people who founded this country lost their damn minds because they had to pay 30 to 40% more taxes on stamps and tea. We're talking about, can we have an honest conversation about whether I, ought to be, whether I should be forced to inject myself with an experimental vaccine or not? And then, why the hell am I reading tweets and, and online forum posts from 30 and 40 year olds that aren't even at risk for this running out to get a vaccine when their grandparents have been locked in a long-term care facility for a damn year haven't seen a son in how long why aren't they all getting it first it's like all the arguments here are like all bad on every side they're like all bad and all wrong if 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 we can't even have 
set aside your agendas. Can we have an honest conversation about this as neighbors? If we can't do that about this, then then I don't really, I mean, what is the point of being a country, really? $1,400 checks. Yeah, I'm, I'm safer in Norway, Denmark, Sweden. I'm, we're going to have more honest conversations there. Okay, they don't care about religious freedom. Well, we don't care. We're increasingly irreligious and our churches are closed, so what's the matter? Well, they don't believe in the Second Amendment. I don't know. I just got a bunch of emails last year from people who owned all the guns lamenting how they were forced to stay in their homes. So we don't care about either one of those two things either then, right? You'd be correct. We, we might as well live in Scandinavia. At least they're honest with their people about stuff like this. Yeah, they don't acknowledge freedoms that we don't use anyway. We don't utilize them anyway. We don't care. So, I mean, what what is the point of this thing called America then? That's part of the conversation we're going to have next hour. Because I found myself asking myself that question. And then I was just kind of blown away that I asked myself that question. And then I was further traumatized by the fact I was just kind of like, meh, indifferent. Matthew Peterson from the Claremont Institute will join us next. Well, let's hope you don't get a crash course in home title theft this year because it can ruin you financially. Here's how that crime happens. The legal titles to our homes are kept online these days, which means they could potentially be hacked. Cyber thieves know this. So when they hack in, they forge your signature on what's called a quick claim deed, stating you have sold your home to them. Then they take out loans against your home until all of that equity is gone and you often don't find out about it until collection calls or worse begin to pour in. And worse yet, neither your mortgage lender nor your homeowner's insurance will protect you. However, Home Title Lock can, and in the unlikely event, you still become a victim of home title theft while a member. Home Title Lock pledges to you they're going to spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees out of their own pocket, restoring your home's title rightfully to you. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and then use the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection of your most important investment and asset at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Matthew Peterson rejoins us from the Claremont Institute. Good to have you back on the show. Matthew, how you been, brother? Great. Always good to be here. So, Matt, over the weekend, I had a bit of an epiphany, and we're going to talk to our audience about it next hour, but I'm going to let you talk about it with us first. When when we saw the way that uh, the military kind of started coming back at Tucker Carlson and others for pregnant women serving, uh, they have their own study uh, found that uh, unit combat readiness uh, declined by 65% uh, because women couldn't do, that many women could not do, uh, maintain the physical regimen needed. Um, and so now they're watering down their standards. And, you know, as a kid uh, married to an army brat, 
whose father-in-law for the last 25 years 101st airborne alum i've maybe heard here heard him air one he's been retired for 20 years i maybe have heard one political opinion from him ever that's how old school he is okay to see them openly come out and just uh essentially audition to be msnbc contributors uh with you know as, as military brass on twitter i was flummoxed by it more so because i'm concerned that really that's the one thing stopping other countries from calling our debt is our military can beat up theirs and if we're not going to have that anymore then uh oh but i really wasn't like offended by it or anything and a few years ago i really would have been and it's something that you were alluding to on your twitter account it's dawned on me i have just become used to the fact every institution that my belief system built in this culture has turned against me that you know i like living in iowa okay so i'm wearing a michigan big 10 championship shirt today because i grew up there and i'm a michigan fan Iowa's a better place to live lower cost of living less traffic less crime etc but i don't feel like this compulsion that i had to like conform to all these iowa institutions because i live here i still maintain my individuality i just think Iowa's a better place to live Brother, that's kind of how I feel like being American right now. I, I don't really, I don't really care about the stars and bars. I'm not feeling all that especially wistful or patriotic. Uh, most of its institutions hate me or against me, and the ones that haven't announced it yet just are waiting for their opportunity to. It's just a better place to live than, say, um, Bulgaria. That that's kind of how I feel, Matt. I never thought I'd get there, but it's where I'm at. What's wrong with me? Steve, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not alone. There are lots of people uh, who feel the same way. Um, I, I struggle with this, but I've stopped struggling with it, right? I mean, you get to the point where you accept how bad things are and then you act accordingly. So, you know, just my own personal life, I'll tell you, you know, I moved my family the hell out of California uh, over the last month. And I'm sitting here in Texas now, uh, building new things and moving forward with my life. And I, I hear this all the time uh, from people who realize that things are so corrupt, the military itself, for those who are paying attention, it's no surprise what's going on there. It is, um, it is they've crossed a line, a new line, um, by, by attacking Tucker publicly, but it's not a surprise to anyone who knows what's been going on with the top brass at the military. So this is just a, another, another day at the office for uh, Americans like us who realize that these institutions have turned against us and are gleefully attacking uh, half of the country. And so I think in the face of this, it's very important that, to realize it's okay to have those feelings. They're addressing reality, right? They're addressing the reality we face. And so what we need to do is take practical steps moving forward uh, to try to counter this stuff and to try to create and defend uh, communities where we can be with like-minded people who, um, who, who you know, believe in America in the same way we do or did. And, and we still have this task of, of trying to uh, defend all this off but we can't pretend that these institutions are what they used to be yeah i don't really feel like i'm like defending american exceptionalism i i think I, i'm i feel like i'm defending uh, my own belief system against america um and I, I this is the the institutional thing is what to me produces the patriotism because that is the acknowledgement of a, of a of the civilization at a at a structural level 
saying your values, your beliefs are what sustain us and what we need. And so we're going to instill those in how we incentivize life in this country, right? Take those yeah. away and then then this all becomes individualized. If, if those institutions are not going to sustain my belief system, then really it's just my belief system up against those institutions. And, and th- since those institutions are really the, the bricks and mortars of a government uh, or a nation state, there's, th- then if those institutions are against my belief system, then frankly, I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. I'm not a citizen. I'm a stranger in a strange land. And I just think the, f- I, I think the pizza delivery here is better than France. I like the fact that I can watch NCAA tournament games at noon eastern as opposed to six o'clock in the morning it's just a better place to live then matt that's all for me i I think there's a lot of truth to that what i would say is this though there are still lots of people millions of people who agree with you and and want to live with institutions that you would be happy with and so i i think you know for instance there's not a lot that um, listeners can do about the top brass of the u.s military but there's, there probably is a lot that they could do in the state of Iowa itself. And I think in the past, you know, it's always the case, people say get involved in state and local politics or create local institutions. Um, but now I think most people realize that they are pilgrims, that there is, there's two notions of citizenship in America that are irreconcilable at present. And one side is just delegitimizing the other side and saying, really, you you all don't deserve, um, you know, to be politically active and you're, you're all uh, bad people. But what we do have, the only institutions the right does technically have uh, are red states. And there, I think there's a lot of work to do because leadership has been complacent and we need to start asking people in red states why the trustees say of our universities uh, don't care about the critical race theory that's being implemented even in those states, right? Uh, So in other words, there still are institutions that we can defend and rally around. Um, I agree, though, for most people, the battleground is not going to be in D.C. It's going to be in finding better local and state leadership and in red states banding together uh, to, to fight against a lot of this uh, this now you know federal tyranny that's going to come upon them as the Biden administration tries to enforce its you know woke doctrines on the rest of us. I agree with everything you just said, but I think that we're, that's going to require a, a, a paradigm shift for us, meaning mm-hmm. that. If, if you're down, you know, the University of Texas is my alma mater when it defends the values I believe in, right? It's not when it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. If I'm going to exactly. run for office, um, an outdoor freaking mask mandate in Texas in July is dumbassery, whether it's the Republican Greg Abbott doing it or or pick a Democrat wannabe doing it, then I'm going to have to if I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, I can't be a NASCAR driver anymore when I get out of a car and I'm wearing all these lapels of these different associations that in past years were an acknowledgement of these are the things that carry my belief system forth. I, when I get out of the car, man, I got a name tag. I'm carrying those things forth. I don't trust any of your institutions. I don't. Tr- I mean, a lot of what we're arguing, a lot of what we hate about what they're doing right now with the COVID relief. The Republicans did this thing twice last year. Democrats are just doing more and worse, worse with it than the premise that was already set last year. We got to get out of this whole. We have a slate of institutions up against theirs. That level of tribalism just moves, keeps moving the fulcrum to the left, the over. And, and so we are a center right country. It's just the center's way off to the left compared to where it was. 
10, 15, 20 years ago. I really think we've got to localize even our own paradigms and how we approach this. I'm a free agent even when I'm on your team because the reality is you don't want people like me on your team. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah I don't think we can emphasize this you know we, this needs to be emphasized 150 percent all the time right now. There's not going to be better leadership and there's not going to be a sliver of hope in all this or a silver lining unless we demand better leadership at the state and local level. And so that means naming names, attacking politicians, uh, primarying people, and then also, um, you know, also here's the problem, Steve. Even you know someone like Abbott, who who uh, seems very shaky on uh, on shaky ground, he understands clearly what the people want because you can see him on Twitter, um, you know, speaking mm-hmm. uh, along the lines of DeSantis, etc. But. So the local politicians understand this, and this is the game they play. Like the establishment politicians will, you know, they'll nod to your rhetoric a little bit, but they won't actually accomplish much or do anything, say, about the public schools. They won't actually take that battle on. So the important thing messaging-wise now for us, and some of the things I'm working on outside of Claremont, uh, is coordinating people in red states who do understand the, the seriousness of these issues and that we really need to actually have policies that take action. And that that, frankly, is what the base wants, because the, you, the sentiments you expressed at the beginning of the show are felt by millions of Americans who are not alone and there still are millions of us and we still exist in places where technically this party has power and we need to push that party uh, hard and that that's exactly right you you don't just go along with it we need to be pushing the party hard and that means punishing people who don't take drastic enough action and then rewarding and highlighting those who do and and that that also means coordinating is something I'm very interested in doing. Coordinating among the states, you know, what are the best actions that Texas and Florida did to in terms of uh, election security, right, integrity? Uh, what are the what are, what's the best way to approach the big tech issue at the at the state level? There's been all these bills now. What's the best one? And then we want to highlight successes and 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 punish and you know. We need advertisement, right? We need online ads attacking those red state leaders who are too complacent in the midst of this this crisis. Because what we can't do is just roll over. And but 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 on the other hand, I agree. We also can't pretend like the military is in our hands anymore, or that you know anything in D.C. is is uh, you know is is likely to change. Final question. Got about two minutes here. Mm-hmm. For the average person watching and listening right now. For them to activate what you just described, what's the biggest impediment to overcome? Well, I mean, there's two things. One is um, you need to find um, the first impediment is just uh, despair. Right. I mean, you look at everything that's going on and you think, you know, we tried. There was this election after everything that's gone on in the last four years. And look what happens. The same old people take control. And now it's even worse. And I, I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm done. I'm going to tune out. And you're not wrong to tune out from a lot of the noise and, and national politics. But you, you still owe it to yourself 
uh, and your family to take some action, and I think that is at the state and local level, you need to start finding people who agree with you who have begun to take action. And I know most people, right, it's busy. Uh, you need, we all need kind of leaders to say, here's a small thing you can do that's actually going to have an impact against what's going on, uh, you know, uh, the wokeness in your schools. Or here is a state leader you can vote for who's actually going to do something about uh, election integrity. So you need to start looking for those people, uh, even if you can't, you're not going to spearhead something yourself. Because here's what I'll promise you. This isn't over. And those new leaders are going to arise and they're going to signal to you and to everyone else, hey, we're actually going to try to do something different. But the impediment is first despair. And and you have to realize that just because, uh, you know, uh, of D.C., that doesn't change the fact that there's lots that still could be done. There's millions of people who agree with you and they need to organize and act in ways that they just haven't before. And that's not an impossible thing. And there's a lot of people who are working on it every day. And you're going to see opportunities that you can contribute to actually fight back, uh, I think, in the coming year. Matthew Peterson, Claremont Institute. Always fascinating to talk to you, brother. Thanks for joining us again here today on Blaze TV. All right, take care. Okay, thank you. You bet. Hey, trying to sell your home in any environment, any market environment can be challenging, but especially in these unprecedented times. Thank you. Uh, That's why you need a real estate agent that you can trust. Someone who's going to come in and take charge of your situation, but not take charge of you. Uh, they all they need to rec- remember at the end they work for you not the other way around and you can trust them to remember that trust them to deliver the results they're promising you but where would you find such an agent because chances are whatever the big real estate firms are in your market they're not going to outright tell you here's our worst agents don't go to them thankfully there is a place you can go to find out who the best agents are though uh, and the name kind of says it all real estate agents i trust.com is a company started by glenn beck and some of his associates who got tired of uh being tired of agents who talked a good game but then did not deliver when they were needed the most they did not want the same thing to happen to you and i so they have this service pretty much anywhere you'd want to move in america you can find or move from in america as our last guest matthew peterson just mentioned you got the hell out of california they can help you find just about anywhere in america an agent with a fully vetted proven successful track record if you want to find that agent that you can trust just go to the website realestateagentsitrust.com thoughts on the conversation we just had with matthew peterson gentlemen well my twitter handle is dace online and in the time that i have monitored that medium for this show i haven't found anybody that's any more consistent in walking the walk as well as talking the talk you just saw it again the man moved his family out of california he's as consistent a friend as the ideas that this show has on moving forward in any way you can without excuse without apology and when it comes to the fights that we must have he's the man you want in his corner he's a brilliant writer he's a brilliant thinker and he just gets here and no further I've said since 2016, I'm no longer attached. I know not longer love. Not that I ever really should have been. Let's say it that way. The hunk of land in between the two oceans of America. There are far too many people who are. There are far too many people who are attached to that huge state that borders Mexico. Far too many people who are attached to uh, the guys who wear the uniform. Instead of what those institutions symbolize. Mm -hmm. Far too many people attached to the things, the -hmm. material, Mm -hmm. than they are to the ideas. As soon as you start to turn that way in your thinking, 
then you have to ask yourself the question, what are you prepared to do? We're to carry that conversation forth when we come back here with hour two. Stay tuned. with hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre todd erzin and all of you let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show and then there's those free speech alternatives look for steve dace on gab MeWe, and parlor if you are a podcast listener to the program we appreciate you thank you very much uh but please show your appreciation for us leave us a five-star review hit the subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you access and prefer because the more of you that do that the more it helps the podcast to grow and it pleases the mucky mucks down in uh dallas at blaze hq they like to see the positive reinforcement therefore we like to see it as well thanks to the thousands of you that have already done those things and if you're looking for free clips of the show that you can sample then hopefully share go to youtube.com slash steve dace and rumble.com slash steve dace show this portion of the show brought to you by our very best friends at built bar you know it's not often you get to put the words healthy and delicious in the same sentence together so if you've been struggling now um the surveys show new year's resolutions pretty much end by valentine's day and now that spring is almost here it's time to get serious again it's called the product you're looking for here i promise you is built bar uh it's the rare item of food that's both healthy and delicious it's the healthiest candy bar you've ever tried the best tasting protein bar you've ever had high in protein and fiber low in calories and carbs each contains somewhere between 110 160 calories that's it up to 20 grams of protein only three to five net carbs you can do this on any lifestyle uh, low carb low sugar low cal that you're looking uh to make improvements with all of them covered in real chocolate amazing tastes um you're gonna wonder how is this possible when you try these it's one of the best products i've accessed in the last few years i mean anywhere not just a food item it's that great of a product builtbar.com is where you want to go builtbar.com b-u-i-l-t get 15 percent off your next order when you go to builtbar.com, use the promo code DACE, D E A C E, get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. So, our Monday town hall, and we haven't done this in a while, we are going to open up the phone lines here in this hour because I want to get reflexive, visceral reactions from how I'm about to lay out what I'm thinking that you haven't had time to prepare or write out in advance. I want to know, hey, I'm laying the, I'm going to I'm going to share my heart with all of you. And then I want snap reactions. 888-933-93 is the number. 888-933-93 to this week's Monday Town Hall. And the question on the table is where is your patriotic fervor right now? How would you rate your patriotism right now? Hot, cold, lukewarm, so-so. Because I realized over the weekend, which means it's probably been like this longer, I just figured it out or admitted it to myself. And I'm not, by the way, let me make this clear. I'm just sharing my own heart here. I'm not advocating for anybody to assume 
a similar bent that I'm about to describe. And if y'all think I'm in the wrong here, a, a, a large part of me would, 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 would like to be in the wrong. Because there's a certain level of resignation that I'm about to describe that I'm not happy with. So this is just my take, where I'm at. You have yours, and if we agree, great. If we don't, then I hope you have the better argument because I'd like to be in a different place than where I, I, I discovered this weekend I'm at. So over the weekend, and, and to provide further context, I mentioned this last hour to Matthew Peterson at Claremont. Uh, my wife's an Army brat. Literally graduated from Fort Campbell, Kentucky High School. That's, she's in, that's her, you know, uh, that's uh, her alma mater. She was born in Nuremberg when it was still West Germany, while her dad was stationed there. Um, my father-in-law, Bob, I mean, he jumped out of airplanes. 101st Airborne. He's been retired most of the time. I've or maybe retired right before Amy and I met. So maybe he's been retired pretty much the entire time. But the honor code of, you know, we don't have partisan positions. We support the office, the institutions. I have maybe heard one political opinion from him beyond something that like almost every American who's not an outright Soviet would would aspire to. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, let's kill the uh, uh, jihadists before they kill us. I mean, I'm, I, let's, let me rephrase that. Partisan political opinion. I have maybe heard one partisan political opinion from my father-in-law in the 25 years now I've known my wife that I can think of. And the reason why I can think of it, because the moment it happened, it kind of shocked me. Amy's an only child. They retired and moved here from Michigan to be close to her and their only grandchildren a few years ago. And while they were looking for a house, they stayed with us for a while. One morning, I'm making breakfast for everybody. Noah is, uh, this is probably about six years ago. So Noah is eight. He's at the table. It's just the three of us. The all women are gone. I'm not sure where they're at another part of the house. Not home, I don't remember. So it's just the three guys, me, Bob, and Noah. And as I'm making breakfast, he comes out, comes up to me out of nowhere. Motions over to Noah at the kitchen table. Says, whatever you do. So this would have been towards the end of the uh, Obama presidency. Last year or so. Comes over, motions over to Noah with a head nod and says, whatever you do. Don't let him voluntarily enlist. It ain't the military that I left. And it's only going to get worse. Now, now this blew me away. Because I, I, I didn't expect the first partisan political opinion to come from Bob to be that one, okay? Um, when, when Amy and I met, he had his own personal military library, and it was vast and impressive. When they moved out of their home in Michigan to come here, he like donated it to like the archives. To hear this from him, I was just like flabbergasted. So I'm not accustomed. I mean, we, we see the stories of how the military brass disobeyed Trump on getting rid of the gender bending, right? We see that stuff, but 
I'm not accustomed. It's one thing for them to do things internally within their own subculture, but to branch out and use social media as a way to communicate partisan viewpoints. I mean, given the, the environment of military alumni I've been around for the last 20 plus years, that's just anathema. And aside from the fact that I'm really concerned when we're now more concerned about, Aaron, you made this point last week on your montage. Because what's my argument against the Ron Paul crowd? Why we're never going to see like an economic apocalypse? Because we've been technically in one for 30 years. We've been a debtor nation most of my life, all of Aaron's. But who's going to call the debt? You want to, you want to, you want, normally you call the debt, the way, the, the way debts get called is the country that's come to conquer you is outside the city gate looking for their money. And if you don't have it, then they're taking your women and children. That, that's typically how it works, right? Right. Nebuchadnezzar's waiting outside for y'all. There's nobody to wait outside for us. Our military blows everybody else's away. But if you take that away, because Aaron's right, we don't have a dollar. We have a military. We don't have an, we don't have a gold standard. We have a military standard. Take that away, then, and when you see studies, hey, let's put all these women in combat readiness groups, then you find out that 65% of them can't do the basic physical requirements, which should shock nobody because we've got the fastest U.S. sprinter, women sprinter of all time right now, right? What was the number? 900 high schoolers or something like that? It was in the hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds of high schoolers in 2019 before the shutdowns and high school boys ran faster times than her. And she's the best women's sprinter we've ever had. Ever. So, instead of saying, I guess we probably should prioritize combat readiness, the military announced they're going to change the standards. Water them down even more. And they want to crack back, wokey crackbacks on Tucker Carlson, a private citizen who's in the media and everything else. That's a Rubicon. Because when you start talking about uh, election outcomes that are questionable and don't add up, the inability to dissent publicly, publicly partisan media, and state or publicly partisan military, I should say, and state supportive media, you know who that sounds an awful lot like? China, Russia, Venezuela. Well, that's what we got going on here right now. And I'm like, dude, at what point? Pregnant women now go off to war? At what point do we start? Dude, I'm not standing for that flag. What the hell? Literally, I mean, what the hell is that? And I thought I was going to be a lot angrier at this. But instead, it was like it was the final piece of a right realization. This, I mean, I'm a pilgrim here. I don't really feel like, you know, they're having a debate, Laura Ingram and Ted Cruz are right now about whether to boycott the Chinese. Dude, I, I don't really care. I don't care. I'm out. Whatevs. You know, feel any real patriotic fervor about going over there. First of all, why do I want to beat up our landlords? Secondly, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, me go root. Yeah, I, I just, I don't feel it at all. I don't, there's no, I don't like have any anger. Like for the same reason, I'm not angry 
that uh, a Muslim believes what they believe. I just know they don't believe what I believe, so we're just different. That's kind of how I feel about this country. And the analogy I used for Matthew Peterson last hour, I love living in the state of Iowa. Let me rephrase that. Nine months out of the year, I love living in the state of Iowa. Okay. (laughs) Um, We have low crime, nice people, a lot of the amenities of the big cities without the uh, uh, accompanying problems, low standard of living. There's a lot worse places to live. I was even born here. But I don't like feel, I don't know like what Iowa's state animal is. I've lived here now for well over, for over 25 years. My man cave still has all the maize and blue and Detroit pistons and tigers. I, 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 I've maintained my individuality while appreciating the fact that I like living here. But I don't like feel like any like Iowa love it or leave it, bro. Iowa against the world. I don't. <laughs> it's just a good place to live. That's all. I like it. That's about it. Graziano's Italian sausage is like the best there is. But if Iowa decided to criminalize my belief system, if Iowa turned into Maryland, Michigan, that's why I don't live in Michigan. It sucks living there compared to Iowa. So. There's no point going back, right? Yeah. So but to me, it's about individually. I don't feel any esprit de corps for Iowa. I just think it's the best place to live, and I like the people here. If that changes, then I'll just live somewhere else and maintain my own individuality. Folks, I realized I'm, I kind of feel that way about the country. And I'm not sure that's good. I have like this indifference. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, that this cancels out, the answer is us. Hey, if the pilgrims could have held 40 seats in parliament and didn't have a tyrannical king, would they have risked their lives on a rickety boat, Todd? No. No. No, if they could have had 40 seats in parliament and a parliamentary system with a prime minister that was directly accountable to them in some way, they're not risking their lives on a rickety boat and half of them dying of cold, starvation, sickness in the first year in a new continent. They're not doing something like that. They didn't have those kinds of options. We do. So I think we should take full advantage of them. I'm not, don't get me wrong on that. But like the same way I feel about and have felt for 10 years about the Republican Party, I'm fine using it when it's to my advantage, but I owe it nothing and trust it not at all. That's kind of the way I feel about the country. I realized. And and, like, it seems like we have the worst of both worlds. Most of my career, we promoted corporate America as a check and balance on big government. We promoted big business. Now we've got the worst of both worlds. Now we've got tyranny and censorship and everything from both of them. They don't have that in Norway, Denmark, Sweden. They just have tyranny from government. So when the corporations start lying, the government's like, hey, they're lying. They don't listen to them. Don't wear a mask. And their vaccines suck. They're not safe. We can't even get that. You know what I'm saying? I got to get lied to by Bernie Sanders and Mitch McConnell at the same time. Both their donor groups. I could get lied to by the communists and the corporatists. At least in a lot of these European countries, only the communists are lying to me. When business sucks, they just flat out tell you. Now I got to put up with both of them. I got to have Facebook determine for you what you can get of my content. 
but I can't really sue them or run for office to do something about them the way I can if it was just the state. So I kind of just feel like it's the best place to live. I think the pizza delivery has more options here than Paris. You know, if I lived in Sweden, I'd have to get up and watch the NSA tournament at two in the morning. I don't want to do that. That sucks. So I guess I live here. I have my own individual values. Every institution hates them. Every one of them do. Media, military, all of them do. Schools, all of them. All hate them. But it's the best place to live, so I'll just live by my beliefs and, you know, what time's the game on tonight? That, that's kind of how I feel about the country as a whole. Where's your patriotism at? Because mine is indifferent. Before we go to the phone, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Could be your own statement or it could be your thoughts on mine. Uh, well, a couple immediate questions with total understanding for being in that place. How long is that tenable to even possess that uh, indifference as a mode of operating before the next virus that makes that impossible uh, set in? And how much is owed who had to sacrifice far more than we've had to? And there's no question, just from a professional standpoint, and Steve has had to sacrifice quite a bit in his professional life. Uh, we're lucky to be in this position there now, but I mean, people have come for him way before this uh, moment in time, and they're only going to continue to come for him. But we've, we haven't stormed the beach at Normandy. How much, do, do, no matter how we feel, how much do we owe those generations, people like his father-in-law? So I, and I have no doubt Steve is wrestling with those uh, questions similarly. I mean, the, 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 when you're dealing with a level of madness that is canceling Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss while putting on what they did at the Grammys right. this weekend. Dr. Seuss is mind Kampf, but we can have two f in the name of female empowerment. We can have and and rate and 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 um and and racial diversity. We can have two black women simulate rubbing their vaginas together on primetime television yeah. last night. So but, and, but but you can't read a Dr. Seuss book. Exactly. See, yeah. If you're allowed indifference right now, okay. But what happens when it's papers, please, or Neil before Zod? I, I will. I know I can speak confidently for you and me. Mm -hmm. Aaron's at a different point in his life, but I'm. Uh, I just know that you and I have been brought See, to I that would, place would, in our uh, lives. I would and, argue uh, the, we're not kneeling. I would argue the fact that we're having this conversation, that we think it's come to the point of even preemptively discussing this just feeds my indifference feeds the the you know what i'm saying because of because because of what you just said that's why i think this way and i think this way because of what you just said you're feeding my indifference this thing's gone it's just gone and so they have an institute when i say gone the creeds and values that this thing was founded upon are eternal they were here before we hold this we hold these truths to be self-evident 
they meaning they were existing in the laws of nature and nature's god before they had a charter on on Jan, july 4th 1776 they will exist in the laws of nature and nature's god from world without end amen right but what but their their foundation in 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 this landmass is gone it's just gone I, this is the kind of stuff i've been talking when Sorry. i said a civil war is the reality we're in i've been saying that for years and it's because of this thing in response to that you have to either accept servitude fight or go somewhere else those are your three yeah. options and by the way and those are the three options that founded this country yeah those those people faced it too which proves my point again these values always eventually come into conflict with every landmass that they're planted upon every time you come to this fork in the road yogi Berra, and you have to take it we've just found a way because we embrace those ideals on this continent we put that confrontation off for a couple of hundred years but it's 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 openly here now aaron what are your thoughts so I'll just say the last time I felt any legitimate feelings of patriotism was when it was announced that uh, Amy Coney Barrett was going to be the uh, the Supreme Court uh, replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not because I thought this was a win for Donald Trump or conservatism or that she would be uh, perhaps the, the the vote needed to overturn Roe v. Wade. Of course, her record so far has been anything mm -hmm. uh, anything but stellar. But the reason why I felt that tinge of patriotism is because you look at her, you just look at that situation. In what other, what other country? Just name one off the top of your head. What other country can a woman ascend to the highest ranks of the legal system in the country? have a massive family with multiple adopted children it, it involve those children so deeply in their lives that those adopted children then can go on to take care of some of the biological children what other country does that actually take place in it's because it's a picture of of the creeds that this fan, that this um that this country was founded upon uh, the perfect the perfect blend of enlightenment and the reformation the, the human flourishing that's that's why i felt uniquely patriotic at that time i can't tell you before then when the last time i felt super uber patriotic was i really can't mm. um it's just this thing has been circling the drain and we are now in the like we're like in the u-bend now except this u-bend uh, just goes down further here in our community, we just went, the answer is us. We gave the system a few months just to make sure. And then once it, we gave it a few months and it was clear that this wasn't Captain Trips, we just got together as a community and said, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And I, I f this is my fear of nationalism, by the way. Um, and I think it's, I think nationalism is different than patriotism. Because we fall into that, we 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 more easily fall into idolatry. Well, that's you know, this is my country. It's not anymore. Those are still your values, right? Those are still your ideals, right? Yeah. But your country is opposed. The country you live in is opposed to those. And I think when you when you buy into nationalism, now I'm all for putting my putting the national interest before global ones. Why? Because I live in this country. I don't live in a global community. You know what I'm saying? So that's just practical to me.
But when we go beyond that to nationalism as an ideology, I think it actually numbs us to the tactic we have to take, which is when a lawyer says in that courtroom scene, permission to treat the witness as hostile. See, I think you need to do that with the country you live in, the state you live in at times. I love our governor. She's been great. When I went down to Disney World for a week and came back and she reimposed a mask mandate, I didn't care how great she was on this in April, May, or June of last year. I went ape on her publicly. Because she works for me. So this is a transactional process. When she does what I like, I like it. When she doesn't, I don't. That's it. I think nationalism causes us to get um, misty. Hey, you know what? I just really appreciate when the guy wearing that uniform points the gun at my forehead instead. It just has just a lot more nostalgic. No, no, no. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that he referred to himself. Yeah, I'm Texas, but I'm really talking about what's going on in Abilene. Because I can tell you there are some places in Texas. I've been there that are nowhere near as free as we are in most places in Iowa. You've been there recently, too. And I think, I think we've just got to get a lot more parochial about this. A lot more individualistic. Hey, I'm running for office. I'm running as a nominee in the Republican Party because that's my, my best conduit to get to where I want to go. But I'm using it. Not the other way around. I'm not here for to serve the caucus. I'm not here for unity. I don't give a crap or a turd with runny corns in it about any of that. I'm here for what I believe in. If you like it, vote for me. If you don't, then don't. Period. That's it. I think we need to approach like everything like that. There's so the paradox here, though. I'm all for parochialism, but I'm not for individualism to the extent that the reason nationalism takes over is because a an equally rancid individualism kicks in. Me, mine, selfishness. That's not we're about on this I, show. I agree. That's I, agree. I, I want to be clear. It's about yep. all both have to aspire to the good, the true, and the beautiful, and not comfort. Yeah, and everything because, needs a plumb line. I agree with that. And because yeah. we've so been addicted to our comfort, then it's yeah, it's my country right or wrong or bro, thin bromides like states' rights or libertarian nonsense that we've uh, allowed to take over the place of conservatism, and that's why we got here. We were looking for cheap bumper stickers. We weren't willing to put in the work. We wanted to go to the book signing, but we weren't willing to really fight for anything or get uncomfortable. So it's, there's a paradox at, uh, here. You're not going to get either, neither individualism or nationalism is going to save you. Both are equally broken right now. Agree with that. That's why I use the term individualistic yes. as a characteristic, but not as its own separate ideology. Correct. No, I'm going to be individualistic in how I approach my eternal belief system, how I apply it. Um, it I'm not going to just make any default setting assumptions Correct. anymore. More of your calls on the other side. Stay tuned. We'll get to those right away. Next. So you know how when you eat that ice cream, that really premium, pricey ice cream from the other guys, you kind of have to give your soul a silkwood shower afterwards, but you, you eat it. At least I did because it was great. Um, but 
you don't have to do that anymore. The good news is with Brooker's Founding Flavors Ice Cream, you've got an ice cream you can love and be proud of, and it's better because I've had both of them. This stuff's better than Ben & Jerry's. I mean, the, the, the shamrock smash uh, flavor they have right now for St. Patty's Day. If, you, if mint chocolate chip is one of your favorites, this is absolutely spectacular. It's uh, the ice cream you love with historical twists, all hearkening back to great moments in American and Western civilization history, uh, especially when it comes to the revolutionary era. Um, by the way, that shamrock smash, mint Oreo, cookies and cream, uh, chocolate chip brownies, Andy's mints, all mixed in to the same mint ice cream. It is phenomenal, but all of their flavors are phenomenal. Uh, and you can get it shipped to you right now, no matter where you live, nationwide. Brooker's Founding Flavors, some of the best ice cream you have ever had, ever. But you no longer have to feel dirty for enjoying it because these guys have the same values that you and I do. Go to brookersicecream.com, B-R-O-O-K-E-R-S, brookersicecream.com. Click on the Ship Nationwide tab. That's all you need to do. Brookersicecream.com. Click on the Ship Nationwide tab. All right, let's go to the phones. We're going to try to get through as many of these calls as we possibly can. So get right to your point, if you wouldn't mind. Let's start with Sean from my former home state of Michigan. Sean, go ahead. Yeah, the things keeping this one nation indivisible are boomers and the dollar, and I don't think either of those should be buying green bananas at this point in time. It does feel, and, and thank you for the call, uh, Sean. Uh, I, what Sean's kind of alluding to is, you know, I've, I've used this analogy before. We're kind of the couple, but I've been, talked about it with the Republican Party, the couple that stays together. Because, you know, it's for the kids, but that's not recipe for a long-term relationship. Kind of feels like maybe that's the whole country now, not just the coalition on the right. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Let's go to Ohio next. Scott, welcome to the program. What do you think, Scott? Where's your patriotic fervor at the moment? Hey, hey there, Steve. I appreciate your ministry there at uh, Steve Day's show. Thank and you. I want to start with where I was planning on ending because I want to make sure that this said, your, what you say, the, the answer is us, is what I said for 10 years when I was running for the Senate in Ohio. Government of, by, and for the people requires our participation. The, what I want to say that is the most important thing is that while the answer is us, in that we need to pursue the thing that God has put on our heart to, to defend our country, to save our nation, what's the answer is really God. Uh, a friend of mine challenged me this week to fast uh, on Good Friday for our nation. And I'd like to take this opportunity to ask you, to ask your audience to join us in that, uh, to seek God, to humble ourselves and, and seek his face so that he will save our country. As for where my patriotism is, I I feel a little bit of patriotism every time I walk into some place that says a mask is required without a mask. <laughs> but for but for uh, for eight years, from actually ten years, from 2010 to 2018, I guess that really is eight years. I I pursued the U.S. Senate as an independent candidate in Ohio. And my message was always the same. The parties don't represent the people, 
and they're setting all against each other while while our politicians are having their way with us people at a time. Hmm. And I wore myself and my family out in 2012 and 16 on my own dime. I we raised six thousand dollars in 2012 and got almost five percent of the vote in Ohio as an independent candidate. So people, there are people out there who want to to choose a different way. The problem is that not enough of them could see the real problem is to to not let their fear determine who they voted for. I, at this point, I'm not a candidate. I'm, I'm not. I'm not promoting myself. Um, I'm. I'm just saying that at the time when it was really important to do this stuff, everybody was like the was like the Israelites uh, when the spies came back from Canaan. They said they're just too big for us. We can't do this. Hey, man, the, a state and, as as competitive as Ohio, um, a bellwether state. You got five percent statewide for six thousand dollars, brother. That's yeah. That's excellent we're, we're, ROI. On, on, that's if you that's if you don't count the half of my income that I didn't earn that year. <laughs> the opportunity cost. I hear. You. All right. God bless you. Thank you for the phone call, Scott. Take care, man. Appreciate you. Seriously though, straight up six grand, five percent statewide, five percent for raising six thousand dollars. That's an insane return on your investment politically. Insane. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Carrie is in Missouri. Carrie, welcome to the Blaze. The question we're asking this Monday Town Hall is: Where do you sense your patriotism is right now? Go ahead, Carrie. Okay. On on February sixth, uh, I guess I had a, a recent uh, experience of patriotism that was kind of overwhelming. Uh, just following your advice there, and then it's up to us. I went to our state capital here in Missouri. Um, with with the, some other like-minded groups of, of individuals who are trying to reform the Republican Party, kind of the direction you all are, are advocating. We went up there, and they this, our state house passed uh, legislation uh, called the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and it passed overwhelming in our in our house. And that's that's the law that says, hey, uh, federal laws that are, that are unconstitutional cannot be executed, cannot be enforced with our state law enforcement. So that was a great day, and my patriotism, you know, went way up. But the same day I was there, I talked to our, one of our local senators. He'd been up all night in a filibuster in our Senate, and he was one of few that was defending our right for not to have overreaching legislation uh, against our churches and against our businesses here in Missouri for COVID liability. And I came home, um, it's a long, kind of a full day trip back home. I came home and I was disheartened, yeah. uh, especially after listening to that. So I was, I was up and down and, and I was, you know. In, so when I hear you I, saying I was, though, Carrie, is yeah, when yeah. on an individualistic basis, on a parochial basis, when you and a group of like-minded people took matters into your own hands, your patriotism was stoked because you were invading the system, the institutions, with your values. When you relied, however, on the institutions that were founded in your values to maintain them, your patriotism uh, took a steel-toed boot to the shin. That's what I hear you saying. Absolutely. When you so trusted anything I, other I than yourselves, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I went to my own faith. 
Yeah. And I, I started studying a little bit more. And I looked at the Old Testament and in Second Chronicles where it talks about the dedication of the temple and where we get that famous scripture from Second Chronicles seven fourteen, where my people, you know, will humble themselves and pray. And and I see in there in chapter six where Solomon is doing the prayer of dedication. It's almost prophetic that he talks about if you turn away, then then God will will save you, and if you are become captive, He will deliver you. But it requires us, and it's that that's dependent upon us. What are we going to do? And so I w- was inspired that it is going to take that revival or bust uh, mentality to get some help here when it's out of our hands to do anything else. Great phone call, Kerry. Uh, thanks for joining us today from Missouri. We appreciate you. God bless. Thank you. 888 is the number. Let's try Texas again. And we welcome Matt to the program here on The Blaze. Matt, you're up. Go ahead, sir. Hey, what's up, Steve? It's really cool to talk to you. And also want to uh, shout out to uh, Todd. You're the man. Keep up the good work. So let me get to the point. So um, I served 20 years in the Air Force. Uh, I also still work for the military as a civilian. And um, so here in San Antonio, you know, that the, I know y'all give Texas a hard time with um, the COVID stuff. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the guy from Abilene is lucky because he um, gets to be outside the major cities. So they get to be a little more relaxed on what goes on with COVID. But like here in San, <clears throat> San Antonio, it is like you're beat over the head every day of how much you're going to die from COVID. So there's a lot of mentality or a lot of psychology people have got to shake off um, here in San Antonio. But what really caught maybe uh, call you was when you're talking about your uh, father-in-law not wanting your uh, son to enlist. Um, mm-hmm. So I told my son the same thing, that mm-hmm. he's 17 years old and he talked about going to the military. And I was like, it's, I don't really uh, don't want you to. Uh, only because the military, to me, being as long as I've been in it and still being around it, it is the perfect um, group of people to for the government to experiment with their social issues, you know, their social experimentation. And um, and you, I see it all the time. And so uh, to also go to your other point about the patriotism, I guess I'm like most people, you know, when times are going good, you feel good. And when times are bad, you really have to question things and, and – uh, and wonder, you know, what the heck's going on with your country. Matt, can I ask you a question? As a guy that's been involved in the military most of your adult life, it sounds like, can I ask you a question? One of the one of the things I have not brought up yet, when I saw how quickly, swiftly, and it wasn't just the Marines, there were other branches that spoke out too, uh, to defend their wokiness and crack back on Tucker and people that believe in some form of traditionalism still. You know, you, you can't have a tyrant can't impose his own tyranny. He needs an infrastructure. He needs people who will carry out his edicts. Right. You know, uh, Joe Biden could order. Let's go kill everybody named Matt in Texas right now. He would need a military, a National Guard, a, you know, a law enforcement that would carry that that heinous edict out. He couldn't arrest every Matt in Texas himself single handedly. Right. You see what I'm getting at. OK, we've had this. It, it, I, I started to think to myself. You know what? When I see stuff like this, if they gave the order, I think that there's enough people in command that would carry it out. Am I wrong? Is that paranoid uh, uh, schizophrenia, Matt? Or am, is, is, am I onto something there? 
No, I think you're absolutely correct. It's it's definitely. I mean, just with the the mask thing. So like Texas, you know, Abbott said, you know, lifted the mask mandate. But here on base, um, since um, well, yeah, since January, well, since the the Biden did the 100 days federal thing, they have doubled and tripled down on the mask wearing. And the, what the crazy thing is is that. You know, the fellow American, fellow soldiers that I'm around, airmen, whatever, um, you know, they can't breathe the air that I'm exhaling, but we can send them all over to, you know, all over to these third world right. toilet right. where you've had coronaviruses forever. And that's and that's fine. And that's what kind of bothers me. But right. The military that, is literally virtue stuff. signaling. They're literally doing that with the yeah, masks. Exactly. And so that that yeah, tells exactly. you who they believe their constituency is. I'm not it. So if the order came down, would they carry it out? I don't think everybody in the military would by any stretch. But I think there's more people, there's enough people that would absolutely do it. I've never really thought about that before. But I think if the order came down, they're showing you there's enough people that are totally bought into this that they would. That they would. Yeah. Agree. All right, Matt, appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. Uh, March is National Crafting Month, and Annie's Kit Clubs is celebrating with a special 75% offer with creative fun, hands-on ways for both boys and girls, where they still believe in these two things, uh, to spend their downtime. Uh, at Annie's Kit Clubs, they've got the perfect subscription box for the boys. Uh, they've got the Young, Young Woodworkers Kit Club. It's a monthly subscription uh, that puts real tools into your boys' hands. And you get an all-in-one woodworking kit with the materials and the tools your boy needs to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. And for the girls, Annie's Creative Girls Club has not one, but two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy-to-follow instructions that will kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. Kids, help your kids develop actual skills, whether it's your kids or your grandkids. Help them also with new crafting techniques, real-world building, things that will express their creativity. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. That's A-N-N-I-E for annieskitclubs.com slash Steve and receive 75% off your first shipment. Big savings at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. All right, guys. Thoughts on the conversation we just had. And if we didn't have time to get to you on hold, I apologize. Thanks for your willingness to participate in our town hall today. Well, I, I know... I'm laid bare in a lot of different ways based on this conversation. I used to, when I supported the war in Iraq, it had to do with our principles. We believe in them so much Mm -hmm. at home. How can we not, in our largesse, in our blessings, reach out to the rest of the world when they do need our help? Assuming for the sake of argument, they do need and want our help. If you don't, if you're broken at home, how do you go out into the world? Mm Mm-hmm. And put everything on the line without that level of belief. We're seeing why we couldn't subdue either Iraq or Afghanistan in decades. Some of it was we actually don't even believe in the values that we claimed we were exporting that part of the world. Others um, apparently were more concerned about scoring woke points and uh, advancing a certain worldview than we are uh, killing people and breaking things, as Rush used to say was the real mission and purpose of the military. Aaron, what do you think? I just wonder, going back to a couple callers ago, uh, what do you think the likelihood is of the underground church in Beijing being willing to set up a mission in Boston? Because that's, I mean, we're at the point now 
where it seems like at this current trajectory, we're going to need missionaries from outside our country to come in and set up, set up missions here. But then again, aren't there Christians here as well? Um, that's kind of the, the gist of this entire conversation. It's not that it's up to us necessarily, as one caller said, it's, it's up to, to God. But the, the point of our motto this year is if you see somebody out drowning, you don't yell to them from the shore. It's okay. God's in control. You do something. You do something about it. And the overall sentiment that I've heard today is that when people are acting on that intuition, on that conviction, that's when the patriotism swells. When they watch, sit back, and watch the institutions fail again and again, not only fail, but then come after then, it's, uh, okay, well, we might be taking a knee for the national anthem next. We're going to stick around and do overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. We're going to carry on this conversation with a touchy question. For the rest of you, we'll see you again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.